Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Hola amigo, como esta? How are you? I'm good. I am feeling fresh. Back from a vacation from Mexico. And uh, <laughs> my tan is melting off as we speak. I don't but, know. You look pretty uh, golden. Yeah. Yeah, man. Eight days away from our son, just Total napping reset. and eating tacos. Is that the first time you've been away from him? For that long, yeah. You spent nights away from him though? Yeah. Yeah. We've done a couple nights, but yeah, it was, uh, it was life changing <laughs> on like day three. You're like, Oh, I this feel, life. I feel like a human, yeah. but also really awesome to come home. And yeah, they changed so much. Yeah. So I think we've done a dinner away from our son a few times, but definitely not a night. Yeah. Although we have one coming up. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going to, uh, our friend's 40th birthday party. Oh, cool. Becca's parents are watching, uh, him for the night. They're stoked. We're stoked. Yeah. It is. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's just good for everyone involved but yeah 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 no feeling good we've yeah. been lining up some guests we did a bunch of recordings before i left and we're smashing them out right now so yeah we today, got a really good guest lineup oh yeah it is killer mostly just from people spreading the word and yeah our guests giving intros Listeners and there's recommending people yeah also yeah our production team doing a killer job with some social media stuff and uh yeah, yeah we are up in our game yeah, we are up in our yeah. game yeah every yeah. i mean nobody's told us that but we are <laughs> saying we've so, told each other lots of times yeah so today we have jason zilke he is a partner at shelter lending so we talk about private mortgages today essentially we've got you know our banks monoline lenders, credit unions, alternative, private, and private kind of has a maybe a bad stigma sometimes, but a really cool, powerful tool. So we cover all things private lending. It was yeah. an informative episode. Like private lenders are kind of a lifesaver. Oh, right? like, yeah. The cost really is so minimal when you're talking about the savings that they have. It's, yeah. it's almost like an insurance. Like you want a private in your back pocket yeah. for sure. And he also served on city council of city West Kelowna. So it's like two for one deal. You know, we're getting somebody involved in the <laughs> community on DCC feeds. Oh, I know. Yeah. No, he was so fun to have on played some semi pro <laughs> hockey. Yeah. He's, he's been in Kelowna since 1990. Just yeah. Cool guy in the industry. Cool so we'll get into that. This is probably going to be some news. that's a little bit late, obviously, because it'll be released a couple of weeks from now. We're recording this October 17th, but Inflation fell from 4% to 3.8%. So, you know, some so good that news. That should here. usher in a non-rate hike, staying but, flat. I don't know, man. You but think it's coming up still? Hard to say. I've learned a lot from Brendan Augmentson, our recent guest, BC chief economist. Yeah, 50-50. Or maybe 49.51, you know, hard to say. And I won't even specify where like, the 49% is. I thought it was a foregoing conclusion. They're staying the same. It's hard to say. So, Mortgage interest rate and rent costs were by far the biggest contribution to this. 12-month change on the CPI, the cost of servicing mortgage compared with previous September rose by 30.6% and rent increasing at a rate of 7.3%. So obviously that's the big contribution to inflation or one of them. The kind of more volatile one, I guess, would be gas and, and groceries. So hard to say whether it's going to continue to decline, but yeah, hopefully it does. One of the economists from RBC on another article I'm looking at here 
again, none of these guys really have a good track record. Essentially just saying that rates are still looking to be cut in 2024, but even if they do, significant decreases would not be given. So essentially they're going to stay at a higher or today's rate yeah, for think, a longer I period. Most people in the market has accepted that the rates are going to be like in this range for a year or more. Yeah. I don't think we're really at this point ever going to see pre-pandemic type of rate yeah, cuts unless there's a, a huge economic The low rate issue. in the future is going to be like mid threes, I think. Oh, that'd be great. Well, not in the yeah. near future. Can... God, this guy's going to be a new mortgage broker giving <laughs> rates out that way. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we'll get to the show. Jason Zilke, everyone. And if you want to reach out to him, he's active on LinkedIn. He's a big family guy. Don't call him on the weekend. He loves his Fridays. Yeah. You can also invest. Like we talk about private lenders and saving deals and being a good yeah. tool as an investor, but you can also invest. They are given out on average right now, about an 8% return. For uh, right now for the whole time they've been a company. Yeah. Paying dividends quarterly. Also really cool. You can just see their portfolio. I'm sure if you say, Hey, send me a screenshot of where your properties, what the LTV is like, they're at a 65% LTV for their portfolio spread across BC and Alberta. And I think he said into the prairies. So uh, yeah, reach out to be an investor with him. Yeah. You can invest with him. You can borrow money from him. Yeah. Yeah. It was an informative conversation. Yeah. The guy does it all. Yeah, he does. Okay. Enjoy it guys. Okay. Thanks for joining us, Jason Zilke. Thanks for coming on. So yeah, like every guest we have, we just like you to connect with the listener with a quick, what's your perfect Friday look like? What gives you energy? How are you productive throughout the day? What do you do for work? And then leading into the weekend. So yeah, have at it. Yeah, that's great. So again, Jason Zilke, I work for a company called Shelter Lending. I'm a partner and we do private mortgages. And so we'll touch on that today. I've been married for just about 15 years coming up. We have three yeah. children, nine, seven, and four. We actually have foster kids as well. So uh, oh, awesome. we have a little foster kid with us currently. And uh, Glad you could fit us in. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Life's uh, every day is an adventure. So yeah. the perfect Friday is where a Friday I don't have to see anybody, yeah. but uh, yeah. <laughs> not my family. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So I, I mean, I get up before my kids and not, not super early, but just a little bit before them, I try and get in my word, read the Bible for a little bit and just kind of get up before the chaos kind of begins of the family stuff. And so very fortunate to be able to kind of be around as much as I possibly can. So I kind of work remotely and work from home and as much as I can, so I can take my kids to school and then kind of start the day that way. So it's a great way to just kind of, we live close to school so I can walk to school and it's just a fantastic oh, way to start there. So the great day is that. And then on a Friday, you know, once you're finished work and to actually be able to kind of check out and just to totally re-engage back with the family and just know that it's Friday. I love Fridays. I get so pumped and my whole family gets pumped. Like, you know, you get like, just, hey, it's Friday. Everyone excited about it. So you kind of have that infectious, hey, it's Friday. And then my kids come home and they're just high five and everyone's just pumped. So, you know, just to start the weekend off the right way, it's a perfect Friday for me. So. Cool. I'll, well, I'll make sure to email you at like 2 p.m. for a deal. Oh, yeah. And you'll be like, yes, it's a perfect. Yes, yeah, I need to my eight. I love everything. Let's go. That's um, great. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, let's dive straight into private lending and, you know, shelter lending. So can you give us like a three minute kind of elevator pitch? What is private lending for our listener that knows nothing about it? Obviously, most people are exposed to big banks. Some people know what monoline lenders are or credit unions, yeah. you know, B lenders, alternative kind of stuff. And we work down from there. But yeah, what is private lending? Yeah, that's great. So private lending is really just a way that the government actually stimulated economic funds to help basically people to get mortgages outside of the bank. And so when people don't qualify, private lending exists. So there's many reasons why private lending would be required. 
But really, the government actually, in their tax act, they have the Mortgage Investment Corporation, which is an act that allows people to invest in mortgages that are basically falling outside of the bank. So private lending is really for people who don't qualify for traditional lending for various reasons. Their credit score is too low, or their GDS or TES are too high or the property is not qualified for what the bank or they can't get insurance. But really the number one is actually is kind of income and people being self-employed is really what we've kind of the most tranche of people that we've seen. It's not necessarily credit, it's really just people who don't declare enough income. They're self-employed, they're entrepreneurs, maybe yeah. they have a couple of rental properties or whatever it might be, but they make a lot of money, but it's really hard for them to kind of disclose or they just, they don't declare enough. They have a lot of expenses and they have a good lifestyle, but the income is just not necessarily there. So self-employed people, it's really difficult for them. I just, I'm technically self-employed and I just recently got a mortgage. It's very difficult. The amount of paperwork and stuff, the documentation they need. And for many people, they just can't do it. So private lending fits into that bucket where people just don't qualify for traditional lending. So what a private lending typically is, they're shorter terms, whether it's six months or a one-year term. So you're going to be paying slightly higher rates than a bank rate or a B lender, but it's really, it's designed to help people solve that problem, whether they've got debt, whether they've got you know lower credit, or whether they just don't declare enough income, whatever that might be, we're helping them solve that problem. And one year is kind of the goal to get them, whether it's a purchase or a refinance, a second mortgage, a debt consolidation, whatever that might be, we set a one-year term, we set the goal of, hey, let's try and get you out, let's get you back to the bank so you don't have to continue paying these high rates. And a high rate, you know, can start as low as 8%, you know, as high as, you know, 10 or 12 or even 13% interest on a second mortgage. So you don't want to do that forever, yeah. you know? So whether it's a few months or a year or beyond that, you know, you, you kind of want to have a goal to get out of that, you know, long-term plan of paying higher interest and get back to your bank. Yeah. I mean, I think raise a very good point. Like it's really important to have an exit strategy. Like you guys don't want to have that capital deployed on that kind of asset for a long duration, nor does someone want to pay that. Can you, I guess, highlight the customer journey? So you don't work directly with individuals. They have to come through a broker. They put a formal application in, you kind of review that together and get to know the story a little bit. Like you said, minimal documentation compared to you know working with a big bank especially if you're self-employed and then the fees associated with closing are there additional fees like lender fees or legal fees or anything like that that people should be aware of that they would incur before entering an agreement with you that's right yeah so Typically, most private lenders are really equity-based lenders. So you're kind of looking at the property first. I guess to back that up, how do people find us? Well, we work directly through the broker channel. So you can't just apply to us directly. We would send you back to the broker and deal directly with the broker. Because the broker, they have access to multiple products. You know, there's multiple lenders like us. You know, they have more options. We don't want people to come to us directly because we might not be the best product for them today. So we work directly with mortgage brokers who bring the client. So they've tried to find a solution for them and they've said, hey, well, you know what? This might be the best or only option for you at this point. So that's how they kind of find us. And so we're kind of considered an equity-based lender. So first of all, we look at the property. So number one, where's the property? Is it in a good location? You know, is it serviceable? So not everyone has that same lens, but we want an average price point property. We don't want log cabins on acreages for $2 million. We want kind of average price point, regular properties. Um, so that's kind of the first thing we kind of look at. Then we look at like, do they make enough income? Can they make the monthly payments? And then we look at the kind of the credit and then we look at kind of the exit strategy. So, but number one is the property. If the property is in a good location, it's strong and there's enough equity. If it's below that 80% or 75% of the home's value, when we say loan to value, it's a really important piece of the puzzle is that yep. if your house is worth a million dollars, well, we'll loan up to 80% of that. 
So we'll give you $800,000 on your home as a maximum. Typically it's 75% in our whole portfolio, it's about 65%. So that's our average loan to value in our entire portfolio. So that's kind of how it works. So the loan to value is important. The next piece is the appraisal process. So we rely heavily on not the value of realtors of our third party appraisers. That's great to get to evaluation, but at the end of the day, we need a full appraisal. There's a cost to do that. And realtors opinions are fantastic. We rely on them. We just do it differently, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that's true. And we look at the lens of like, when you foreclose on a home, you probably sold foreclosed homes and maybe have never get top value. You, in fact, you get significantly less. So we look at the fact this house is going to sit on the market. It's in foreclosure. Someone's going to want a discount. There's a reason why it's in foreclosure because they didn't pay or various reasons. So we never get the maximum value in event of a foreclosure. So how we get to the foreclosure, if we do a mortgage and that person doesn't pay us, well, we have to foreclose on that home. And it's a process, it's expensive. At the end of the day, we have to use a realtor to sell that. So we rely heavily on our appraisers. So we select in every community that we lend in two or three appraisers that we know we trust, we build relationships with, and we say, hey, we trust your work. So we know if you're saying the house is worth a million dollars, well, we believe that if we had to sell that in a foreclosure, we would get a million dollars for that. So we will loan up to X 75 or 80% of that home's value. So that's kind of of, you know, how we operate. And so far it's worked really, really well. So we're pretty well protected. So from an investment, we can talk about how to stimulate and how we get investors and, and then how we lend that out. But, you know, it's a pretty strong investment portfolio because, you know, we have $50 million plus or minus, you know, and 65% is our loan to value in that portfolio. So it's yeah. just pretty low. I mean, you might not think, you might think we're going always to 80%. We're not actually, we, we're doing some lower loan to value stuff. But you know, if someone doesn't pay us, well, we know that we have a decent property in a decent area. It's probably an average price point. And if we have to sell that, if you don't pay us, well, we get your home and we resell that. And you know, we don't lose money that often. Yeah. I mean, we do if the market turns, but to go down in, I don't think the Okanagan is going to have a 25% reduction in their price. Like if yeah. you bought a million dollar home, I don't think in six months it's going to be worth 750000 Something terrible would happen. I just don't. Yeah. Do yeah. you see that happening? The lake would have to dry up or fill with oil or something like that. That's, you know what? That's, so it could happen. Yeah. Matt would take a vacation. And, I think you know, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I mean, our investors would be in trouble. I'm an investor and a partner. So I, yeah. you know, my family, we'd all be in, we'd all yeah. be in trouble if yeah. that happened. But I just, I just don't think that happened. That's so going to happen. Can we talk about the investment side a little bit then? Like yeah. if somebody does want to invest with you, yeah. What does the return generally look like? Yeah, can people invest with you? You got yeah. to be accredited, or yeah, totally. So how it kind of works is from investment. So we have kind of two companies. Shelter Lending is the channel that brokers know. It's kind of our main brand. Yeah. That's how we lend our money. Yeah. It's technically the management company for our investment arm. So we have a company called Northern Alliance Financial, and basically that is like an exempt market dealer. And not to get overcomplicated and boring, but an exempt market dealer basically allows us to raise money. So we use that exempt market dealer to raise money for our mortgage investment company. And so we have to qualify every person that comes in our door. So most people are going to qualify for some amount. So you have kind of like accredited investors, you have people who have like certain net worth, certain income, so they can invest whether it's 10% or 50%, up to 50% of their investment portfolio. So we are regulated by the government many, many ways, many facets. So we aren't allowed to just take all your money. Yeah. Like we said, yeah. you've got a hundred thousand, yeah. all your savings. We aren't even allowed to, even though if we say, yes, I want to, I can qualify. We're just, we can't do that. That's how we're regulated. So it's a good thing, but you know, sometimes it inhibits us to get it. And so as people of a certain age too, there's different qualifications. Once you hit 65, you know, just more things that you have to do. So we can take anybody's money at some point. Just we, there's only so much that we can take because there's a certain enough family and friends exemption as well. If you don't make enough money, we can take just a certain portfolio. So we have a minimum investment of 25,000 and we've been doing this 
since 2015, and we've been paying a steady return of 8% since 2015. Nice. We dipped as low as seven and a half, and we've been as high as eight and a half. But in you know, in what, just about eight years, you know, having an 8% return is pretty fantastic, actually. And then yeah. in a market that's kind of gone up and down, and we've seen different things. You know, there's, you know, some investments that might pay more, but I think having a, just a steady, you know, it's nothing is really kind of sexy about what we do. We're invested in mortgages. We're pretty vanilla, but I mean, it's from our investor perspective, it's like, we're so steady. And so we pay a quarterly dividend. So that 8% is kind of annualized and compounded. So we pay a quarterly dividend of 2%. If it's, if it's 8%, it's 2% or a little over. Yeah. This year we're on pace for about 835 so we'll pay a little over 2% every quarter. So most people are going to reinvest that dividend, but many people take it out, you know, as income. So that's their income fund every quarter, you know, they've got 100,000, they're getting, you know, 2 2 grand or 2500 every quarter. You know, that's a nice little to yeah. live off for many people. Cool. So, yeah. so to, to kind of simplify private lending really for both arms that you have, you're essentially a facilitator for you take people's money, you know, you find somebody that needs that money, you provide that safe transaction, secure it to a property, have lawyers on both sides sign off on everything. And you guys collect a small margin. Obviously, somebody gets to use your product, somebody gets to make money, and you're just kind of the middleman making those partnerships. That's exactly right. So we just have to take a big pool of fund. You have yeah. to qualify for that fund. We have to make sure everything is above board. Yeah. And then we, Shelter Lending, the management company, you know, it takes a small percentage of 1%, 1.5% to manage all that money. And then shelter lending will collect some of the fees. And we can talk about that too, but that's how we protect it. So our money is kind of safe and held in one fund, but it's invested in 250 mortgages. Yeah. So we do get the odd foreclosure. It's like less than 1% of our portfolio. And so, you know, when we get a foreclosure, even if we did lose money, there's 250 other mortgages that are still paying. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's really safe in that way. Like if you have 10% in foreclosure, if you've got 25 people not paying and more than that, like it gets kind of scary, but with 2% is the most we've ever had in foreclosure. Yeah. And even of those, like, let's say we had five in foreclosure at one time, you know, one out of five, you're maybe in jeopardy of losing money and you may not lose money on that property. As we've grown, like, you know, we were five years ago, we had, you know, like $5 million and now we've got 50 million. So we're yeah. kind of growing cool. quickly. So sometimes our biggest inhibition of growth is really getting new investors. So we've grown kind of organically and naturally. And now, you know, our new investors have brought in their friends and we've got our families, but at some point now we need other money. So that's kind of our next step is to how do we grow is to bring on other investors to kind of help us grow and, and raise the bar a little bit. But we have yeah. some really good momentum. We've got a bit of bank money and it's a good thing that we got going on. So we're nice. yeah, that's fantastic. Can I ask? So, I mean, obviously there's some negative media for good reason. What about five, six months ago, there's a guy in Victoria. Greg Martell. Yeah, Greg Martell. So he ran essentially a, I don't want to say a similar organization whatsoever, but he facilitated similar mortgage products where he brought in investors. And I mean, I can't really speculate on anything at this stage, but he's essentially left the country and there's been a lot of investors with shortfall of money. Can you just say a little bit about his business model again, like not to dig in anything too deep, but how did that happen? Obviously you guys are protected. I've worked with you before. I like, I know the properties you lend to, you're really picky. I put in an application for myself, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I got denied. It was a <laughs> yeah. cool property. But like, again, I just want to tell the listener completely separate business models, but if they do hear of that and they're thinking of investing in with you, what are the safety margins that differentiate you guys? Yeah. It 
super sad to hear that because I mean, mm-hmm. I think he raised like, you know, I don't know, a couple hundred million, like 150. Yeah, it like 240 years. Yeah, it's incredible, which is incredibly hard to do. Yeah. And he was just bringing on new investors. It essentially, was a Ponzi scheme. Like he had some properties that he was lending on, but he was bringing on new investors to basically pay the dividend on the yeah. existing investors. And no one could really, you could never get your money out. So if you're an investor with us and you have $100,000 and you say, well, I'm, you know what, my kid's going to school and whatever, I need my money. Yeah. We have to give you that money within 30 days. It's part of our legislation. So we always have a capital available to do that. We always have a buffer and no one could get out of that fund. So it was just like, like it was, was really no one auditing. I mean, PCFSA or uh, like- that is the saddest part. There was no one really looking over his shoulder. What were the properties like? You can go into our portfolio. I can show you right now our whole portfolio. I've got a map of exactly every single loan, where it is, how much the loan to value. Oh, what, cool. You know, so it's like you could be like, well, tell me about. Well, I'll show you my whole portfolio. Yeah. So the fact that no one was doing that, he just there was no accountability, and now all these investors are really. It's a super sad situation. It, it tarnishes the reputation of highly regulated because we are so highly regulated. It's just incredible for you. I mean, if you ever want to invest with us, you'll see like, wow, this is a lot of work. Like I don't just give you my, you know, my void check and away you go. Like it's like, it's a couple of weeks, which is good because you know the investment you're getting into, but how did those slip through the cracks? Well, that's a great question for BCFSA and FinTrack. Like how did they allow him to take on new money? I guess they must be tightening regulations or yeah. there's going to be there's an a- impact to that. And you guys will obviously feel that as well. Yeah. But yeah, incredibly sad to mm. see that happen. Yeah. yeah, but I'm glad there's companies like you guys that are yeah, outstanding in the industry. Yeah, and we're definitely more like, you know, we're certainly not the biggest out there. We're certainly on the more boutique side of things, which is why we do some interesting things. And we, we go into some smaller communities. You know, some of the places we lend, like we're in BC, Alberta, Manitoba. So, you know, we lend in Winnipeg, for example. We lend in the Kootenays, where many lenders just don't go to places like that. Yeah, yeah. Like even like, you know, Summerland, a lot of people just, you know, go in there for some reason. And, you know, even Northern BC, we lend in. So we kind of do some things that are more creative where we don't have to be quite as competitive on maybe our rates, but we'll go into some markets where other lenders won't go. Yeah. So that's kind of what a little bit maybe differentiates us. And you guys have underwriters on your team yeah. that... Like obviously I deal with you, mm-hmm. you put it to your team, review the file, yeah. but really make sure it's a strong property. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to talk about maybe a little bit, like Matt and I have both used this in transactions. Matt, do you want to talk about, I know yeah. recently. So just like anecdotally in my own career, I had a closing where my buyers were short $50,000 and they didn't know that until the day before. So we called a private lender, we got a loan, we had it needed a one day extension instead of month extension, but they were able to close their property. Now they're going to go get a regular line of credit pay off the private mortgage. Without that product there, they would have been kind of up the creek here. Yeah, yeah right? well, so like, in that scenario, I guess the option would be they couldn't close, they would lose their deposit, and yeah. be sued. Possibly be homeless. Yeah, so a small cost on that private mortgage, whatever $50,000, yeah. could save them potentially hundreds. Yeah, um, yeah. For me specifically, I used it on, so one lender, it's a large bank, they're kind of maroon and yellow, but the way they did their rental offset is, they would only use 80% of the rental income on a refi, not on a purchase, 0% on the purchase for this specific building. So we had to close with a private lender. And then three months later, we were able to switch out to them and use the appraisal with the 80% to qualify. Hmm. So again, like a unique way to get it done. But again, the fees just kind of get built into your performa of, okay, if I'm going to buy this for $700,000, it's kind of like now I'm buying it for $712,000 because this is the only way it can happen. In addition to that, yeah, there's lots of reasons to use private lenders. Yeah. If you just need to consolidate debt or even right now, the SIBA loan. So for small businesses, you know, over the past couple of years through COVID, they gave out a $60,000 loan. 
if you pay 40,000 of that back, you get to keep the $20,000. A lot of small businesses don't have the liquidity right now that it needs to pay back by January. So you could easily take out a private and a second position on your house, pay off that SIBA loan, you've net gained $20,000 and then you come up with an exit strategy in the next year. So there's lots of reasons for it. One other example I'll highlight is, you know, when we're talking about rates, I love the way you guys generally do the rate. So it's more about the loan to value. You can shed some light on this, but with most A lenders, credit unions, the rate is the rate. There's a small difference depending if it's insured, not insured, 20%, 35% equity. But with private lenders, it's usually like a hard cap, 80% loan to value, obviously for you know security reasons. But the further you go down in loan to value, so if you're at a 50 loan to value, the rate's pretty attractive. So I have a client we're closing next month, 50% loan to value on a house in Kelowna, and the rate was like 7.9%. There's a lender fee associated to that. So they range between, you can do a 0%, 1%, 2% fee, and that affects the overall rate. But when we're talking about a 7.9% for yeah. a private mortgage, like that's almost current residential yeah. rates right now. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge down payment, but they wouldn't qualify otherwise. So this is exactly what we're talking about. Self-employed, they didn't pay themselves. Their accountant saved them, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in income tax. But now we have to use a private lender. So maybe the interest payments are a few thousand bucks a year more than they would be, but they save on tax. So you got to work with the right people and walk through the scenarios. These bridge loans, it's actually incredible. We've seen a ton of these. That's actually, I didn't really bring that up, but you just alluded to it. Yeah. You know, there's the closing dates just don't match up. So you need money or there's a shortfall. So we are seeing a lot of those. And so they've got a property if you're selling and you're purchasing. Well, what we do is we take basically both properties. We blanket one as a second and then the new purchase would be the first. And as soon as that other property sells, well, we just, all the proceeds go into the new loan and we have both properties. So it's a really, it's kind of a no brainer for us. And the, you know, you're, only doing it for a short period of time. So the rate is not super relevant yeah. in a short-term loan. But you know, that was one of the things that we saw. There's especially during the pandemic when people were closing right away, the banks just couldn't do it in time. Yeah. So we saw all this business come to us. And you talked about the SIBA, but we see a lot of CRA debt. So so many people are self-employed and they're just not paying their taxes. We saw one, this is incredible. Someone owed 250000 in CRA GST. Like they just didn't pay. They're self-employed. They're making like yeah. 250 grand a year and they just didn't pay it. And so they that was how much their tax bill was. And so they basically used the equity of their home to pay that out. And with CRA owing, you can't get a loan. So most lenders won't give you that. So they come to us, you know, they take a second mortgage. They have a first mortgage with Scotia or TD, and then we'll give them a second mortgage of 30 or 40,000 to pay that CRA debt out. And then they can go back and refinance because the only thing holding them back was yeah. that CRA, that tax. Stuff. So that's yeah. where private yeah. lenders come in. And it's not, you're not paying 20% like a personal loan. You know, you're guaranteed against your home. It's kind of like, it's just a bit more than like what a HELOC would be, but yeah. it clears that debt, you know, whether it's a bunch of different debts like that, or it's just like a tax debt, private lending makes sense because they're short terms and we typically do an open loan. So, you know, whether you find money or you get inheritance, or you find another cheaper money, well, great, pay us off. Like, you know, you don't want to be paying us. As I said, one year yeah. is a long time, but most of our churn is actually less than a year. Yeah. So we encourage them to pay out, find an opportunity. And that's why, you know, you have access to all these other lending products. Great. You know, utilize them. We're there for a niche. We're not trying to be everything to everyone, but, you know, bridge loans, yeah. you know, CRA, second mortgages, you know, purchases, those kind of things. We're there to help when the need arises. Well, it's such a great tool you touched on. If somebody is only being held back 
because they have yeah. arrears in CRA or maybe their credit score is like five points too low. And we're like, okay, we'll just pay off this yeah. small debt. And then boom, we're into that A lender for a better rate. Yeah. You just got to make sure you have that exit strategy. I don't want to see people basically, you know, see this pain be alleviated and pay off this debt and then, you know, back to the roulette wheel. Yeah. One thing, can you highlight for our listener, first position, second position, sure. the two differences, the risk that you guys mitigate, maybe the interest rate difference on both of those? Right. Yeah. So when you're in position, so it's the first mortgage position is basically the first position and behind that can be a second or a third or a fourth charge, whatever that might be. So, you know, in the event of a foreclosure, if you're in first position and that sells, well, the whoever's in first position gets paid first and then second, then third. So the higher loan to value. So let's say you use a million dollar property, for example, and if you have a first mortgage of 700,000 and then you have a second mortgage of 200,000 and then you have a third maybe charge of 50,000, well, you have 950,000 or roughly so, you know, the first First person when that forecloses, all the sale goes to paying the legal fees, and then the first mortgage gets paid, then the second mortgage pays. So sometimes there's just not enough equity available in that property, especially as you know, foreclosure properties don't sell for as much as that. So the charge where you're in position is really important. As a lender, we actually have the opportunity to actually pay out the first. So let's say the first mortgage is not being paid, which is this because we do a lot of second position mortgages, second mortgages. Sometimes the first mortgage is not in good standing, you know, and so the first mortgage wants to foreclose. But the second mortgage is actually is in good standing. So they've been paying us the entire time. They're fine. So we can actually pay out the first mortgage and take the entire mortgage on ourselves. And then we can try and collect from the borrower, try and come up with a plan and things like that. Because sometimes like banks, they're, just, they're very rigid in their policies where a borrower, they might have like, I can get the money or the, you know, there's a, we can come up with a creative solution. So we will actually take over the first mortgage. And sometimes if we're in second position to help the borrower, give them more time to figure their situation out, whether they're going to sell the property themselves or refinance with another lender. So we have the ability to do that. So that are some of the kind of unique things that you can do as a, as a private lender where banks policies are just super, super rigid. Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys are so common sense too. And it's such a great tool to have not only to, you know, renegotiate different debts and navigate to a different lender, but just purely on the fact that, you know, if you want to close on a property as an investor, or you see value in a property and you need a quick close, you know, some lenders just can't facilitate that in the time frame that you guys yeah. can. Like you're so fast. Yeah. We're a small team. We can make decisions same day. And so anyway, I think you asked the question about documentation. I mean, you know, the amount of documentation that lenders want these days is just so outrageous. Yeah. Like it takes like weeks to just get the documentation. And so in what we do, generally speaking, well, we need an appraisal from an appraisal. We need the credit bureaus, which you'll probably have. And then, you know, we're probably going to ask for bank statements. We may or may not ask for NOA. We don't ask for pay subs. We don't ask for many, many things. So we're going to ask for three or four, maybe five pieces of documentation to go to fund it. And so, you know, if you bring us a deal today, we can make a decision, you know, in the same day, we can have a commitment letter out and, you know, in a week we can have the funds, you know, ready to go. So that's the kind of the advantage we have is, you know, we can make decisions quickly. We can look at, you know, from a common sense approach and we can get that deal closed because you're it's closing in a week and all my lenders have said no. So I don't, you know, you don't have time to like, I'm not going to be able to get this piece of documentation. So like, you know, you just, you look at the property first and then, you know, you kind of make it work from there. So that's the kind of the fun thing about private lending is that you can get creative and do some things that you can help borrowers out when they need to. Yeah, so. that's incredible. And as an investor, if someone's listening to the show, if you want to buy a property and you want to go in aggressively on the purchase price and you know, you know, say Matt speaks to the listing agent and they figure out that, hey, like we need to close in three weeks. We have another offer that's coming in, but it's got a bunch of subjects and the dates don't line up. You know, you might be able to shave off. 
10, 15, $20,000 on yeah. the, the purchase price because you can close in three weeks yeah. with a private lender. Well, there, you just mitigated your higher interest, your lender fee, and then you exit out in six months yeah. and you know it's a win-win. You get a property for undervalue as long as you're, you know, you got to have a bit of an open mindset to it. I do feel, unfortunately, like that's probably the toughest thing for me to navigate with clients is, hey, here's an opportunity. We can work with a private lender. Here are the fees. Here's the rates. And people get a little bit nervous, but I like to try and break down options and, you know, hey, we could do a 30-year amortization, maybe interest-only payments. Like you guys are able to mitigate the monthly payments, although the interest rate's higher. Yeah. But if it's six months on interest-only payments, it's actually like similar to what they'd be paying on an A lender. It just kind of delays the fact of paying off principal, but it gets you into the property. It does. And even for people who have a lot of equity in their home, like almost like a reverse mortgage, well, yeah. we'll do like prepaid mortgage. So someone's like, I just, you know, I'm getting money in six months. Well, we can prepay that mortgage for six months or for 12 months for the entire term, which is actually incredible. So that allows them to keep their entire cash flow. I mean, there's a little more risk as a lender and we have to kind of mitigate some of that by reducing the loan to value. But I mean, for someone who's like, they're coming up or they're paying, whatever it is, like we can prepay that entire mortgage. Mortgage. And that that helps a lot of people out of a very difficult situation because they just don't have enough cash to pay for this year. They're selling it, whatever it is. That's incredible. I didn't know you guys did the prepaid. Yeah. yeah wow. Awesome. So that's cool. And so we kind of touched on like fees and stuff and how they work. And I'll just kind of highlight that. So in private lending, well, basically the lenders, they charge a fee. It's not like the bank where you get no fee. So we charge, I think you said one to 2%. So depending on the mortgage, you charge 1%. So that basically comes off the proceeds. So if you're getting a million dollar mortgage and it's a 1% lender fee, well, that will be deducted from the million dollars. So so you might need to have a slightly higher mortgage, you know, to come up with money. So, and then the, generally the, a broker is going to take a fee as well. And then the legal fees are all deducted from the proceeds as well. So the borrower pays the legal fees. They also pay their own legal fees. So you have to factor the, some of those costs in. Yeah. But at the end of the day, again, if you're closing quick, there's many other negotiating tools that, hey, we, we can close quickly. You can maybe get a better deal yeah. on the other side. And, you know, it's not forever. So to distinguish private lending, there is another arm of private lending. Like people can lend their own money individually on mortgages. I can lend you $200,000 and I can register that on your house. Anyone can do that. There are some regulations of that, but if that's a true private lender, which are heavily unregulated, and you're only supposed to do so many of those a year, but that is a segment that some people have their own money. They like to lend it out. They like to do it. Again, you're invested in one property, one person, one individual mortgage. And there's a lot of other, you know, negatives to that where, you know, we're a large a fund of mortgages, a pool of mortgages, essentially. Yeah. So from an investment perspective, it's much, much safer. And even from a broker's perspective and a borrower perspective, because, you know, we don't need our money back in a year. So if something happens and you need to renew your mortgage, well, we renew, you know, 99% of people who are paying with us, we renew that mortgage. So, you know, it's not like we're going anywhere and we need our money back because we don't. We'd like you to pay out, but that's only if you can get refinanced or your situation change or you sell your property or whatever that is. Yeah. So we renew everybody who wants to renew with us. So that gives peace of mind because that doesn't happen. You hear a lot of people are coming to us and saying, well, my lender didn't renew with us. Yeah. You know, they were in good standing, but they want their money back. And so then we have to kind of come in and save the day. And I hate to hear that because you know you have a mortgage and now you're finally, I've already gone through this process once. I don't want to do it again. I just want yeah. to renew. Like I just want to keep going, but they don't want to do that. So yeah. anyway, just an interesting little piece there. Yeah. And if somebody is looking to lend out $200,000, I'll take it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> the fee, I'll just touch on the fee as well. Like you said, yeah. So generally as a mortgage broker, there is no fee to the client. If we're working with banks, monoline lenders, they just pay us. It's a commission-based. We're bringing them the lender pays. Yeah. The lender pays for private. Like you said, 
that isn't the same arrangement. So we do have to charge a fee as a broker. But again, like the fees do kind of add up in these privates, but for the situation, it's a great valuable tool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Should we dive in a little bit for West Kelowna? You are, or were, uh, you did a term <laughs> yeah. in city of West Kelowna. You've been there since 1990? 1990, yeah. Awesome. My family moved from Winnipeg and thank them all the time for making that move. Yeah. No, when, I was, when I was a young kid. So I went yeah. to Rose Valley and grew up in West Kelowna. So it was pretty cool. So yeah, in 2018, like, I mean, there's election every kind of four years and like, I hate politics. I don't really, so if anyone know me, like it's just, it was very confusing what I would do yeah, at the time. Yeah. And so, you know, like probably like two months before the election, like this is the kind of a cool story and I'll, I'll share with you. Like two months before the election, like didn't even know anything about the city or politics, whatever. I'd never even been to city hall. Yeah. So I just like, I literally heard like, I believe God was like talking to me, but he's just like, Hey, you should check out the election. So I was like, what? And so then I went online and checked out the election, whatever week goes by nothing. And I'm driving home and all of a sudden I hear it's like, you got to go to city hall. I was like, what? So I went to city hall and this is what I said. I go, I don't exactly know why I'm here, but I think there's an election coming up. And then someone was, you know, very gracious. And they spoke to me, here's the election. They gave me a package. And I was like, oh, this is super interesting. Yeah. Another week goes by, there's nothing. I put that on my desk. I knew about here, but I was, oh, got to open that package up. I was like, what? So I opened the package up and I was like, started looking through the package about, you know, to run for city council. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I have to do this. Like, there's, I've never felt more called to do anything in my life. It was incredible. So then I was just like, I actually do that. I was like, I'm putting my name out there so I can be like humbled. That's yeah. what I thought it was. I was like, there's no way that I can do this. So anyway, yeah. so I ran and then, you know, me and your other guest, Stephen Johnson, we both got elected and, you know, he was the top vote and I got the second most vote. So it was pretty cool because we actually ran against six people who had already, who had been elected, who were rerunning. And, you know, to do that is the odds are so, so low. The incumbents yeah. over 90% chance that they're going to get reelected in the fact that he was the number one and I was the number two spot was really showed that the yeah. community yeah. wanted change. They wanted a difference, you know, in leadership and me and Steven, we were able to get elected and, you know, we made a lot of changes in four years and the city looks a lot different than it did yeah. you know, before we started. And, you know, we just like, I grew up in my community and I love where I'm from. And I just, I was like, Hey, like I can't sit on the sidelines. Like, you know, like I have a voice, I can add value. I want to represent people who have families and people yeah. who are young and want to recreate because people were making decisions in our community who they're, you know, they're older. I would make those same decisions too. I was like, I get why you did that. You're 65. I would probably make that same one too. So I can't really knock any of the decisions made, but it's like, okay, now it's time to yeah. have a voice at the table of people who, you know, aren't, you know, retiree age. You yeah. know, they want to be young and they want to do something and, and try and make it progressive. And like, I really wanted to have, you know, growth in our city, whether that's right or wrong. Yeah. I don't know if I still like, you know, but that's what I want. I think it's inevitable. So you yeah. just kind of plan it. So that's right. Yeah. So like, why would you try and say, no, we can't allow any more people? Like, yeah. well, someone had to make my subdivision where I grew up. Yeah. You know, someone had to say yes to that. So how could I say no to the next people? It's like, that is the most NIMBY type of attitude. And it's really hard to see that go on when it's like, we just, we have to, like, people want to move here. You know, yeah. why would we say no to that when someone said yes to where you live? It's just, it's not really fair and unreasonable because we have a story and my story is created because the development got approved and it's yeah. yes. And so I want that next story to happen. You know, there's a right and wrong way to do it, but we still need it. And people need a place to live. And why wouldn't they want to live here? I want to live here. We all do. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so what happened? How come uh, you opted out of term two? Yeah. So I didn't rerun. So we started fostering, you know, kind of in my term and we now yeah. have more foster kids and we actually have a big trip plan. So um, oh, well. we're actually going for three months. Me and my three kids and my wife were going to actually going to serve in an orphanage in Mexico for a month. Yeah. And we're going to go to Guatemala for two months and work in a school and a hospital there and uh, oh, amazing. do some stuff there. That's so awesome. we're going to take our family and kind of do it. So I had told like, you know, 
like to you know rerun for council and they kind of had said the mayor at the time and our kind of staff said like you can't be gone for that long like you just can't miss that many meetings and so i said you know what this is a trip that i just have to do yeah and so i knew that i wanted to do it in this four years and then a week ago we just booked our flight so we just kind of confirmed everything with this orphanage we're going down to serve and so we just want to like experience something like we have it so good here and to now and go and to be in a place in the third world and to see like my family my kids see something that they've never seen and us be able to just serve and give back like Make i just we're so i'm just selfish by nature so i need to go and do something that's like hey this isn't about me like we yeah. can actually help and so yeah. you know it'll be a really great experience we're going from january to march we're going for three months and you know it's as your kids are younger it's easier the older they get the more complicated yeah. it gets so i'm yeah. dead nine's my oldest and so we're going to just take them out of school and learn some spanish and yeah uh, what, what, what a good experience for the kids yeah it'll be really yeah. cool it's a lot to, it doesn't just like these don't just kind of happen on their own like we were just like i was like made a lot of intentional steps and my company is amazing like we have such good people like you know we have just decided hey we care about our people we want to have a work-life balance we want to love what we do we want to enjoy it and so let's like we all are doing trips like we went on a company trip we're doing all these types of things and so everyone on our team like we all have families and you know we definitely have said hey we care more about like the balance than we do about just the work so you know there's a sacrifice sometimes but at the end of the day rather invest in what matters in the long term than you know some work stuff so, so yeah anyway cool for you i love that I mean, it's just coincidental that you're leaving for the whole winter and uh... no i wouldn't <laughs> want to miss you know january and cold, yeah. so yeah, time. slower time i mean in our business it's definitely yeah. a slower yeah. time yeah. Yeah. that's why picks up in march it's yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so be, i love that that's yeah it's gonna be awesome yeah, yeah. so thanks for asking appreciate it Okay, well, we're love having you on. We got to be conscious of our time here, your time. So, can we dive into some questions to wrap this up? Yeah, absolutely. If you could buy one property in the Okanagan in the next 12 months, what would it be? Man, I got to stick to West Kelowna. I mean, Pritchard Drive is kind of, there's, that's probably my favorite spot. If you could look at live there, yeah. no, no price tag, you know, that's where I'd want to go. It's, it's a great spot and right in the lake. And, yeah. you know, yeah. secondly, I'd like to be like, you know, way up in like up Bartley, you know, like kind of remote kind of acreage and, you know, where you're overlooking the lake. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but, you know, if money's not an option, I think you're on the lake. Yeah. It's a tough choice. Hey, like I want the nice lake view, but I also want to just walk 10 steps <laughs> and jump in it. Yes. I know. So it's, you know, you both would be great yeah you get yourself a hundred acre property yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 the water slide yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. all right what's the best thing you've ever spent like a small amount of money on oh man that's a great question Probably like just some education like some like leadership courses and some of that you know not yeah. expensive but man they've just like in books really like on the leadership side i've bought some really like good leadership books and oh now it's more audiobooks and stuff like that yeah. but just like anything like you know you want to invest in you know especially like leadership i don't think i'm a leader but like i just i lead my own family and my company so i just i really those have gone a long way reading and investing in that has just been like paid massive massive dividends even though i'm a terrific leader i'm much better than I was yeah before. you sound you sound overly which, humble about which is I'm sure. <laughs> yeah yeah audiobooks or podcasts clone real estate podcasts great um one. yeah fast-growing podcast <laughs> yeah exactly best book or quote you have for us well i mean you know as someone of faith like i love the bible and so i mean that's my really where i get my truth and keeps me grounded and so it's out of jeremiah 29 but basically it says like you know god has a plan for you to grow you and prosper and not to harm you and so like i just i think that like i serve like a god who loves me and like has a plan for me and i just think that's like super cool and it keeps me grounded and knows that i'm loved even though when i'm being a terrible human and you know i'm just i don't deserve it you know i still feel that love and so it's pretty cool 
Yeah. I don't know. You're saying you're selfish. You need to be humble. You're a terrible human. I'm looking at myself in the mirror being like, oh my God. Yeah. I need to repent. You know, you, know, you, don't, want spend, you don't want to spend like an evening with me. You know, You'll, the real truth comes out. Yeah. Right. I used no, to tailor at night. Yeah. No. <laughs> I feel bad enough hanging out with Steve Johnson. Like, oh my God, this is the nicest guy in the yeah, world. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice guy. That's awesome. So how can we or our listeners help you? Yeah, so if you like want to invest, you know, it's a great investment. It's yeah. We pay 8% to our investors. We have since 2015, as I mentioned. So it's a really great opportunity to be in real estate without actually being in real estate. So, yeah. I mean, from, you know, my dad has a couple of commercial properties and we were just doing the numbers recently and the value of that property and his return, he was getting like 3%. And I was like, wait, we should sell this. You know, he's already an investor, but you can invest more and at 8%, it's, you know, and you don't have, you know, any tenants, any headaches. So it's interesting. So 8% is a great number. I mean, it'll probably grow and grow and go up, but he, cause you know, GICs are four or five percent, so you know eight percent two years ago was amazing, and and it will continue to be probably eight percent or higher. So that's the one way you can support us, and you can find us, you know, at Shelter Lending. Definitely contact your local mortgage broker yourself to any private kind of lending needs. But we're always looking for new capital, so investments it would be greatly appreciated. You know. We'll take whatever you got. You can invest your tax-free savings, your RSPs or cash. So any of those yeah. registered funds will take, or even your, what's the new tax? First-time homebuyers. Yeah, the TFSA well. for the yeah. first-time homebuyers. Highlight as well, I'd like to contribute to your point, you know, 8%, but speaking about GICs or anything else, like if we're highlighting inflation, obviously inflation goes up, normal rates go up. Like if your cost of living is going up, your return's probably going to go up because yeah. the private mortgage rate is also going to go up. And when it goes down, it goes down. So it's kind of a hedge against, you know, just the current market. That's so right. And interest rates that we, like we put out mortgages a year ago, the rates were way different. So as our mortgages kind of renew, interest rates slightly go up while our return will gradually go up to kind of curb that, like you said, inflation. But as interest rates have gone up, it's just there's a lag because we do kind of yeah. one-year term. So as they come to renew or we put new mortgages on our books, well, it'll be a higher return for investors and everyone will be nice and happy. So Yeah. And honestly, I've seen le like less volatility in private rates compared to yeah. A lenders or monoline, whatever, like they're changing their rates. I can't even keep up with them. Every <laughs> week it's an email, rates are up, down, up, 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 down. You guys are generally like, yeah. this is kind of the range. It's property dependent. Let's get it on the desk, underwrite it and see where it lands. But it's very easy for me to say, yeah, we're going to fall somewhere within this range. So yeah, I love working with you guys. Yeah. And you know, even like two years ago, like our rates really haven't changed. Like we just haven't changed our rates much. They've gone up marginally, but you know, they've been the same because we do a lot of second mortgages and it's around, you know, 10, 11, 12%. They haven't really changed all that much. So we, yeah. we are more competitive than we've ever been. Yeah. You know, the rates have changed and now we're like, we're ultra competitive where two years ago we were a product, but now we're competitive product. Yeah. So you're like, we just, we could be higher. We could be charging higher rates, but we just, we want to stick and kind of stay in our wheelhouse. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and enjoy the, the upcoming travels. And appreciate it. Yeah, maybe we'll do like a remote recording when you're down there. You'll be speaking in Spanish the whole time. Give me an update. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Okay. Take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.